Hey, this is Nick Gelso, founder and co-owner of CLNS Radio, and today I'm joined by Ty Ray with a brief but important message. Nick, we try to keep our programming free at CLNS Radio. We have a ton of great podcasts, but we need our listeners and readers' help. We need them to take a survey for us. Yes, that is how we will continue to bring you free content via paid sponsorships from the big boys, the big companies, and we need your help. So when you get a moment, go to beatsandeats.net backslash survey one. Takes only minutes, but every minute is extremely important to the family here at CLNS Radio. We've become a community. You have all been a very big part of that. So please, beatsandeats.net slash Survey 1, choose CLNS Radio as your option and take the short demographic listeners survey. Now enjoy your regularly scheduled program. Hey everybody, if you thought this is Jeff Keane, surprise, 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 it's not. I'm filling in for him, he's had a little bit of problems, but the real man of the hour is Robert who's going to be telling you everything you need to know about your New England Patriots. Hey, Rob, how are you? Hey, Alex, I'm doing fine. Thanks for stepping in at the last minute. It was a a little bit of panic time there for just a moment, but uh, with about 30 seconds before we went live, you and I finally were able to connect. Uh, Looking forward to a show, Miss Jeff. Maybe at some point during the show, he'll get a chance to call in. I know his truck broke down. And he was on his way home. So I know he said the tow truck showed up. So hopefully he'll be here. And, Alex, I know you're a North Carolina fan. So at some point during the show, we'll throw a little North Carolina information out there just so you can really be a part of the show. How's that go? Go Heels! Yes. Okay. (laughs) Enough with that for now. (laughs) First of all, Bob, are you excited about this year's team? I, I really am, and we've talked a lot about it. I, I've got a, a ton of topics that Jeff and I were going to go over, um, and there's a lot of things that, that to me that, that fans are excited about this year, and, and I am. And, and one of the things that I know we've spent a lot of time talking about this uh, the past few weeks is the offensive line, and it was kind of funny this morning because one of the things I do every morning is go right to uh, the Mike Reese column. Uh, Mike writes for ESP in Boston and uh, kind of looked through his his notes, and he brought up the offensive line, and it was great uh, that that he and I agreed. So whenever I find someone that agrees with me, I try and at least mention them during the show and then talk a little bit about the subject uh, that we agree on, Alex, and uh, you know, he had written this morning in his quick hits piece. And by the way, Mike has agreed to be a guest on Patriots Beat probably within the next three weeks or so. We just need to coordinate some of our uh, time frames. So uh, we really look forward to that. I know Jeff and I are excited to have Mike visit us on the show and uh, part, part his wisdom because he is the the, uh, the Pat's Beat writer. Um, along with Chris Price, who also has been a guest on this show and hopefully will be again shortly, that that you really can get some insight on what's going on, uh, along with many other writers. But those, those are the two that we really like to follow, especially on Sunday mornings, since we do this show live on Sunday morning. So uh, I just, I just like to cut in for a second and say thanks to me co-hosting 
look at all the great guests they're getting. <laughs> you did it. It was you that brought this in. So we're going to. Uh, I got a. I, you know, I'm a. I'm the CLNS kind of uh, football guy for college and basketball for college. So I want your opinion on a guy that the New England Patriots brought in in the fourth round, I believe, out of uh, Florida State. His name is Brian Stork. What do you think of him? First of all, I think he has a legitimate shot to not only make the roster, but unseat the existing center, Ryan Wendell. Um, I think that, that Stork is one of those big bodies that not only Stork, but there's some others on that offensive line that could very well step in. Uh, and and I, I had written in a column I wrote early this week on Logan Mankins, and that offensive line is. Uh, and as Mike had mentioned in his column this morning, one of the areas he's going to be watching and is the competition along that interior line, which includes uh, the, the, the ability of Brian Stork to step into that position at center, also uh, John Jalapio, uh, who was the sixth-round pick. And they've got some second-year players, Josh Klein and Braxton Cave and, and Chris Barker, that are available to put some pressure on um, Wendell and uh, Dan Connolly, both of who had terrible years last year. So I, I'm excited by Stork. I know prior to the draft, uh, Jeff was – reading his praises, so I had to go look up uh, some information on him to, to feel comfortable when we were talking about him and was pretty impressed. I think you know, he's a big guy, and he could step into that role as the starting center. I will tell you this because, again, as I said, I, co I follow college sports. I've been following the ACC for over a third of a century. Stork is a great player. His biggest problem will be his feet. If he can move his feet better, he can be a great player. That's my opinion on him. But if he went to the right school, because I believe Belichick does not push anybody into a spot, and so I think that with time he can develop to being the player that you're saying he is. My opinion me... is his biggest downfall is his feet. They don't move as well as they should, and probably when you have a team like he was on last year, FSU, you didn't have to move him as well as you do in the NFL. Let's be realistic. Uh, you mentioned five either rookies or second-year players. Who do you think is the most important out of those five? Well, you know, I'm, I'm looking probably the most important role of either the, the first or second-year players is the step-up on those second-year players, and can Aaron Dobson uh, step up? Now, he's been out with a, a foot surgery. He had really um, very, very late. The, the Patriots were hoping he could uh, heal before then. But Dobson is one of those players uh, that should be back for training camp, but he was not available in OTAs or minicamp. So I would love to see him step up. People are, as they always do every year, focusing on the offense where I focus more on the defense and I look at some of the defensive <laughs> players that, that they have and they have signed and knock on wood, if they get back to healthy players, they've got some players that are ready to step in. I already mentioned those, uh, the, the three offensive linemen that are important, but 
when you turn around and look at the defense, there's some some big players that they have signed, obviously, Revis and, and Browner uh, and, and the return of Mayo. And, gee, this is, this, this is just one of those years that if, obviously, their defense could very well be a top ten and if everything falls into place, could be a top five. So I, I, you know, I didn't pick one player. I didn't answer your question, Alex, completely. I kind of rambled a little bit there. But I mean, there's a lot that's of okay. players. My wife just... never answers my questions either. So we're, I'm fine. Keep rolling, Rob. You're on a roll. You're doing great. <laughs> well, I, and you know, as we come out of minicamp, uh, one of the things that people look at is we're in kind of what most people refer to as the dead period, the slowest period of time in the NFL because you're out of training camp, you're out of mini camp, nothing else happens until July uh, when the when the regular training camp opens up. So you're sitting there going, oh, man, what, what can happen during this period of time? Well, just as one bit of information, and, and this was uh, Chris Price this morning wrote about it, I mentioned to him earlier, that the Patriots have made some, some moves in this, quote, dead period in the past. And right now, uh, if you look back to what they've done in past years, they actually made eight moves last year during this period of time. Uh, it, it's one of those things that you you just never know. Now, one of those eight moves was Aaron Hernandez. We don't want to spend a whole <laughs> bunch of time talking about that. <laughs> that was a move they yeah, had hoped not to make. But, that's you know, not the really a, thing we want to talk about. Yeah, I, we won't spend any time other than that one quick mention on Hernandez, I promise. Uh, but, but one of the things when you look at the team and look at what they, uh, what they are still lacking, and one of the things that Jeff's not here, so he won't be here to say, Bob, it doesn't matter, which he always does when I go down this end, but one of the positions that I still think uh, needs some kind of an upgrade is tight end. Um, and, and we're... You know, we can go on the assumption that Rob Gronkowski is going to be back and he'll be fine and therefore it doesn't really matter because they've got the tight end that they need, but that's a big assumption that he's going to be fine. And and I do worry about tight end. And the opportunity, there are still a couple of tight ends out there. The Pats haven't moved on them, so that makes me a little worried that they, they haven't made any move yet. Uh, but, I, I, I will that, tell you this, and I'm an outsider looking in. I, I believe that Jeff Kane would be right. I'm probably 27, 28 teams out of the NFL. But I think when it comes to the New England Patriots and a couple of other teams, the tight end does matter. Because it's become something that Tom Brady goes to and goes to often. Yeah, it is also because there, he had two great ones. But at the end of the line, when you get into a rhythm and a system, it's hard all of a sudden to say, okay, let's change it over again. Well, and, and one of the things that Jeff Hanks has had on, and Jeff knows his football, I will not uh, in any way disparage my normal Patriots beat partner, uh, since he's not here to defend himself. But he does know his football. <laughs> but, and, you know, and, and he is not a big fan of the the offensive leader of the, the the Patriots from the sidelines, but history is with uh, the the team they have right now. They've adjusted in the past, and the tight end may not be as important. It only became 
really important with the Patriots was when they had that dual tight end. The player that I promised I wouldn't mention again, and Gronkowski, uh-huh. they then became, you know, tight end oriented. I mean, they were probably the best combination of tight ends in the history of football because the tight end, normally you'll have one really good tight end. You may have one passing tight end that can catch the ball, uh, and you may have one blocking tight end, and that's, you know, that's pretty normal on most football teams now. Um, the patron, my concern is if Gronkowski is not healthy, they only have a blocking tight end. They don't have a single tight end right now signed to their roster who, you know, Brady has as that relief valve that he knows he can throw the ball to, and the guy is always going to be big enough and strong enough to be open. Uh, and, and that worries me that there's no tight end. They probably will go to the three wide receiver sets a little more often this year. Um, and they do have a lot of wide receivers, so, you know, that that may very well be the case. I, I just, my fingers crossed every week that something happens and the Patriots suddenly have someone that they can play a tight end that has the capability of being healthy enough uh, and and catch the ball so Brady has that person out there. I mean, Manahu Mianamani, or who man, as we usually refer to him, the, the, <laughs> the starting tight end if Gronk is not there, is a really good blocker. But he has not shown any ability to catch the ball for any length of time uh, while out on the field. They're working with him more. They're also actually working with, uh, with players that normally don't play tight end just to be able to have someone that can catch the ball. So, you know, Jeff is, Jeff is partially right uh, in that the tight end has only been critical to the Patriots since they had that two tight end formation and defenses just had to completely change in order to be able to handle them. However, I still think you need at least one out there, and I don't see, if Gronk cannot play, I don't see anyone that, you know, really jumps out at me. I had mentioned, by the way, when I when I talked about that Chris Price column, and, and he writes every Sunday morning a thing called It Is What It Is. Uh, in fact, he writes it during the week, too, but it's, a, it's kind of a must-read for any football fan, especially Patriot fan. But he had written this morning, and I was right. I just looked it up while we were talking. Eight moves between the end of minicamp and the start of training camp last year. So, you know, Aaron Hernandez, ooh, I said the name, was one of them uh, – Donald Jones, a wide receiver, uh, Justin Green, and then Tim Tebow's favorite target, uh, wide receiver Quentin Sims, none of whom had any impact on the team at all. Uh, and, and then some that are available this year, and this is where he went to the tight end position, or just what I was saying a minute, a minute ago, they're Michael Finley and Dustin Keller. Now, of the two personally, I I would lean towards Keller if they if the two of them were healthy, only because Finley scares me. He's coming out of some really major surgery, and you know I don't know I I don't know whether he would be capable, and he would give up uh, a huge amount of money. It's in the millions of dollars if he decided to play this year uh, and play another year, and and I I just don't know that he'd be willing to do that because he gets that in disability. If he signs with the team, he loses that. So my leaning would be toward Keller. The biggest jump, uh, somebody, and, and Jeff just uh, tweeted me. Is tweeted? 
the right word, I'm not sure, to mention yeah. uh, someone that, that I did have on our sheet to talk about later, and you had asked earlier about the biggest jump, would be Kimball Tompkins. Uh, you took and Tompkins the words out of my had... mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I was ready to go with them and ask you about them because okay. I read in your sheet you know, that he was the biggest star of the camp. Tompkins supposedly, uh, from every report I have seen except one, was the standout in training camp, in the OTAs and in the mini camp. Uh, He was making the catches. He made one really great catch uh, to the corner of the end zone over uh, Browner that, you know, everybody was going, whoa, hang on. Uh, and, and made the catch for a touchdown when they were practicing red zone drills. Uh, you know, the problem with OTAs and uh, with the minicamp is there's no contact, and right. it's really hard to tell a player that looks great in OTAs in the minicamp gets the pads on and starts getting hit as he's making those plays. It's a whole different world. So hopefully things have stepped up that much, but everyone I'm reading, uh, that followed the training camp and was at um, the the mini camp are mentioning how much he has improved um, and and looks really solid. So he was, according to to my notes, he was probably the player closest to the bubble as a wide receiver. If we hadn't been able to, you know, if if, if one of the new New kids along the block, like Jimmy Gallon, came along and had a great season. That, that probably he was the, the the guy that most people would worry or, or figure was the most susceptible. Uh, he obviously has solidified his role, um, and it's important for Gallon to be able to play when training camp starts because in training camp he's now fallen behind the two guys that if he had any chance he would have gotten uh, the, the opportunity to step in. And the other one is Boyce. Uh, the, the Boyce and Tompkins would be the low end of the totem pole as far as the wide receivers, you would think, for the Patriots. And Gallon is, is missing about, that. Go ahead. Sorry. Talking about Thompson, he's still hurt, isn't he? Uh, Tompkins isn't hurt. Boyce is hurt. Boyce. Dobson. Got an Aaron injury Dobson, at the very end of training camp. However, it's supposed to be minor, and by uh, by the time the regular training camp opens, he should be back. And Dobson, Dobson is the big one, as I mentioned earlier. Dobson had foot surgery. Uh, he had the injury when the season ended last year. Uh, the Patriots had a choice. Go ahead and do the surgery, and he'd be ready for the OTAs or for the mini camp, which just completed, or wait and see if it, it heals itself because it's, it was the type of injury that a lot of times will get better just over time. Unfortunately, it hadn't gotten better, and about a month and a half ago they decided to go ahead with the surgery, and the recovery time for that surgery uh, is long enough that he couldn't be in OTAs and he couldn't be at the mini camp. However, he should be ready for the uh, the, the regular camp, uh, training camp when it opens. Hey, if you're listening, do not change the channel it is Patriots Beat. I'm filling in for Jeff Kane, but Rob is always here. He is like the Mike Golick of the show. I'm just greeting. I'm <laughs> passing him off all the sports stuff. Uh, you know, I'm, I 
I'm kind of leading the boat. I, I have this question that I ask on my show all the time if I have a guest. If you had the choice of any player in the NFL right now besides quarterbacks, who would you want to bring in to the Patriots? Does the player have to be available, or can I just say throw a name out there? And we're never going to get him, but but right, if I could anybody, have one. anybody that that you would want. Mm, man, I can tell you, it would probably be a defensive end. Um, and I'm trying to think of well, how about Javon Clowney, or, or you know who was the number one <laughs> draft pick this year? Uh, if I could have a player that I think can dominate and, and really make a difference, it probably would be Clowney. Uh, and, I, and that sounds strange because there's a lot of really great players in the NFL. Uh, if it wouldn't be Clowney, I'd probably go with his, his teammate down there in Houston, uh, another great pass rusher, uh, only because I think the pass rush is one of the areas the Patriots need to develop. I think they're going to be more aggressive this year. But I think they need to develop uh, – uh, you know, that aggressiveness. And I I like a defensive end who just intimidates the other team. So the, the, my answer would be on defense, which may surprise a lot of people because I'm certain many listeners probably would have thought a wide receiver or one of the glamour positions or, or a running back who uh, I know Jeff would love a real stud running back. Although, I, and Jeff has said this before, I like the running backs the Patriots have right now. I think there's some competition there, and they don't need one standout. Uh, and I think it's the same way with wide receiver. One of the, the holes the Patriots have fell in, if you can say a team that has had their record, has fell into a hole. It was some habits they got into uh, when Randy Moss was here and thinking, oh, boy, we need that long bomb play to make it work. Uh and as we've discussed many times on the show, they really don't. They've got, they have a really good group of both wide receivers and running backs this year that that can catch the ball. That I would think that the offense is not a problem. And reading and listening and hearing some of the other shows uh, and people that I really respect, Derek Havens, I know was a guest on a show. Uh, um, I think it was Patriots Fourth and Two. I'm not sure. Uh, but he was on there with Russ Goldman and Steve Bellisteri, and you know he was saying that he was really concerned about the Patriots' offense this year. And I, I'm not. I think the offense is going to move the ball. I, provided the offensive line gives Brady time. Um, Derek also was concerned about the defense, but mainly because of injuries. And I guess you can say that about any team if there's injuries – Anywhere near what they had last year, you lower your expectations. But do you do you always lower your expectations for an injury? Now, I, I'm talking as far as a team. I, I've always heard coaches say next man up. But do you believe that a team that gets – now, Tom Brady aside, but they get an injury, they're going to lower their expectations? An injury, no. A series of injuries such as they had last year, I think you almost have to. The fact that Patriots went 12-4 and last year is miraculous. They played above, and that step-up philosophy worked with players no one ever heard of. So, (laughs) one, to answer your question, I would like to think there's enough, enough depth 
that there's someone ready to step into the role. And I think this year they have more, much more depth than they had last year, uh, pretty much on every position on the team. Linebacker was a concern for a while, but they're, they, they're a little bit deeper there now than they were with the signing of Anderson. But, uh, but no, I, I agree with you, Alex, that the step-up philosophy in theory is nice. However, free agency with teams unable to, to because of the salary cap, stockpile outstanding players, it's less likely if you have three, four, five injuries that your team is going to go to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl. And that's the expectation with the Patriots and their fans. It's the season is not a success unless the team wins the Super Bowl. And with enough injuries, it's pretty tough to win a Super Bowl because once you get to the playoffs, uh, and even with those injuries, I think the Patriots last year showed, sure, you can make the playoffs. But once you get up against the good teams, especially good defensive teams, if you're missing some key players, it's pretty hard to win those three key games in order to get to the Super Bowl. So basically what you're saying, Rob, is that this year if there's no injuries, we're going to see another Patriots Super Bowl? I think there's a legitimate shot at it. Now, there's some darn good teams out there in the NFL, and I don't want to sound cocky. Uh, and I, I know many listeners from other areas think Patriot fans are the most obnoxious in the world because we are cocky. We go into the year expecting playoffs and expecting to go to the Super Bowl. But I think that's what anyone should hopefully expect from their team um, if you're a fan of the team. And, yes, this show is, quote, unbiased uh, up to a point, we try and look at things realistically and say, eh. I mean, last year, about halfway through the year, we were looking realistically and saying, man, we're going to make the playoffs, but we're not going anywhere because of these injuries. And that happened. I mean, we won, you know, the first playoff game, but once it got down to playing Denver, uh, the, the world changed in the playoffs. So, you know, we expect that. But And, and all fans, the, the word fan is fanatic. And fanatic speaks for itself. You're not a you're not objective, uh, and if you're a true fan of any team, you're going to be a little bit obnoxious. I mean, I look at Jets fans. If there's anything more obnoxious than listening to Jets fans, I guess it's listening to Patriots fans. <laughs> I don't want to oh say that. <laughs> that's a that's a little bit uh, for those that don't know. That's a little bit of a. Uh, Backhanded compliment, I think. But, hey, <laughs> just a little bit. But we'll let yeah, it fly because, hey, this is Patriots beat, and he's beating up on the Jets. What are you going to do? Not, hey, uh, not me. Before hey, we go I on, I just like Jets to be better this year. You know, do you believe that? Any or Jets fans listening in? But do you believe that even though they're they're giving away their playbook all over the place? Come on. Yeah, I know. I was going to go into that too. Talk about you know you always have this group of fans from other teams that love to jump on the Patriots cheat to win bandwagon. Whether it was you know the the, the Belichick scenario in in, in you know Spygate uh, or any of anything that occurs, and that's a prime example of it, that scandal. Uh, for those that are listening in and, and didn't read it, uh, Rich Simonini, or Simonini uh, for ESPN Jets, uh, 
uh, he's their beat writer, had written a column uh, earlier this week about the, the, the playbook and, you know, the latest chapter of skullduggery between the Jets and the Patriots. And actually, it was Cleveland Browns coach uh, Mike Patine who brought it up. He was, the, uh, he was with the Jets uh, defensive coordinator uh, up until 2012, and he did an interview for Sports Illustrated uh, and, and was talking about the playbook. And, and among many contexts, uh, he, he basically said that you expect the Patriots to get your playbook. It's, uh, you know, either, I'll do a quote here. He said, we know in places like New England it's only a matter of time that they somehow mysteriously end up with our playbook. Now, that's a direct quote. One of the, the things is, first of all, the playbook isn't super valuable. It's not like it's a game plan. It is a playbook, and I can grant that it probably gives you some information, but as Chris Price mentioned this morning, you can go on Google and look up NFL playbook and find playbooks. So it's it's not like this is that this is much to do about nothing. But again, if you can look at the Patriots from the outside world, it's another, quote, cheating. And, and it gets a little frustrating as Patriots fans, and I guess we have to man up and accept the fact that no one likes a winner. People like to root for the underdog. And the the Patriots haven't been an underdog in a long, long time. So when they first won their first Super Bowl, the world was in their corner. Alex, I don't know if you remember or not, when when they played in that Super Bowl and they came out as a team rather than being introduced individually, they were the first team to do that. Were going, oh, isn't that great? What a team. And they hadn't really won a Super Bowl, so everybody was in the corner. Well, it's kind of reversed. They've now become the Dallas Cowboys or the Pittsburgh Steelers when they were in their prime, where people root against them uh, because they win so darn much. And, and even, you mentioned earlier, Alex, whether, uh, you know, other than Tom Brady, hell, the year Brady went down, they won 11 games. Uh, between Matt Castle, with Matt Castle at quarterback, who most Patriots fans thought in preseason he'd be lucky to make the team. Now, they didn't make the playoffs, but they won 11 games. So, you know, it's just this team is is a, a real mystery to the rest of the NFL. Mystery may not be the right word, but how they do it. It's kind of like I, I wrote a column this week, and I do the Red Sox articles too, and I talked about the Oakland A's and how the A's are a mystery every year, how they, you know, have a great Figure season. It out. Right now the Oakland A's have the best record in baseball and the fifth lowest payroll. How do they do that every year? Well, it's kind of the same way with the Patriots. How do they stay under the salary cap, put together these teams that year after year are winning double digits? I mean, it's it's unbelievable. In the last 18 years, and we talked about this more in last week's show, the Patriots have only had two losing seasons in 18 years. That's unheard of, especially in the, the age of the salary cap. Let me interrupt you for a second. Since you brought up the Red Sox, let me bring up the, the Celtics for a second. Hey, this Thursday, Ty Ray and Nick Jelsel are hosting a show direct live at the Renaissance Hotel in Boston, 6 to 8 p.m., Free admission, free food, and Celtic-themed drinks, which I'm going to ask Rob if he knows any of these 
Celtic teams drinks because I'm not from up there. He might know them better. If you can make it, go have a great time. It's going to be hosted by the co-hosts of Beats and Eats and the co-founder of CMS Radio Nick and Ty as well. And uh, I just wanted to give them a plug because I know it's a big deal for both them and CLNS Radio. Well, and if I were there, I'd be going uh, just because it sounds like a great event. Uh, so anyone listening in that that if you're a Celtics fan at all, I'm certain you would enjoy going to that event. It's at the, the Renaissance um, Hotel, I believe, in, in Boston. And I would recommend it highly because it sounds like a really fun time and a great meal. Hey, you get free too, food? <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it, but, Boston sports are, are you, you, I, and I am prejudiced here, probably are among the most loyal followers of any any team uh, or city. You know, New York will obviously de- debate that, um, and other cities. But when you have four sports teams, as we have in Boston, major sports teams, um, and and they all have such a large loyal following. It's kind of neat to be from a city like that. I know you're in North Carolina, and I know college football. And you had mentioned the ACC earlier. I mean, I I was young when the ACC was the ACC. And it was all the teams that were basically right there uh, under your nose. And the competition was was unbelievable. The Duke, UNC, Maryland, uh, State, um, Virginia. I, I mean, those those teams were were all really good teams. And as I'm certain you're well uh, aware, Alex, more so than I am, it was a period of time where it wasn't shocking to have at least five ACC teams and say the top 10 or top 15 in the nation. I I I totally agree, but I just like to say I'll let you skip this because it is your show. But don't ever mention Duke on my show again. Well, I'm only mentioning them because they happen to play in the ACC and they happen to win some games along the way. <laughs> and my wife loves. Let me let me ask we'll you something. That, okay. <laughs> let me let me ask you something because you brought up a great point about the Boston self uh, about the Boston fan base and. As I've listened to you today and I've listened to your show before, you talk a lot about the writers about Boston. Do you think there's a huge difference between the Boston fan base and the Boston media compared to the New York media or other major outlet medias? When you say New York, probably not, uh, because obviously New York it has a lot of coverage of all their teams, uh, as does Boston. But once you get out of New York, Boston, eh, maybe L.A., uh, you don't have nearly as many writers following the teams. Now, one of the things that's really changed uh, dramatically since the the you know cyber industry has gone the way it's gone and the Internet and the, the availability for instant reporting and instant information, the beat writers who wrote for the newspapers really are blogging. They're, they're not writing. They may be blogging on the newspaper site, but they're not really writing for a newspaper. Uh, and, and you have bloggers such as Jeff, me, you, who really 
are into sports and are reporting. So the number of reporters has increased dramatically. Not all of them are accredited journalists, <clears throat> excuse me, but but there's so many more people following teams now. Uh, but again, I, if you look at Boston and New York, anyone that anyone that would go to a press conference after a game uh, and get into that press room, it's crowded. It's crowded. The Red Sox can be losing 10 straight as they did earlier this year. The Patriots lose one, and everybody's in there ready to, you know, jump all over. Uh, and and Belichick <laughs> doesn't answer any of the questions, but jump all over with questions. So, you know, Boston and New York are probably pretty close as far as lighters. Um, as far as loyal fans, again, I think they're probably pretty close. Personally, um, you know, when you when you look at the history of their teams, Boston's teams have done more than the New York teams. So I'm going to jump back there again. It's been a long time since the Jets have been very good. Uh, the Giants, I'll tip my hat to them. They beat the Patriots twice, one time when they barely made the playoffs. Uh, so the Giants have, you know, had their share of victories. When's the last time the Knicks had a decent season? Now, the, the Rangers won the Stanley Cup this year. But, you know, it had been a long time for them, too. So you don't have as many teams winning as often. Uh, the Yankees, ah, the Yankees, team that, you know, you grew up in Boston hating because they won so damn much. Well, the Yankees have not been the Yankees that we knew. Meanwhile, the Red Sox have been, you know, this year aside, the Red Sox have won three of the last, what, nine or ten World Series. So Boston's very lucky in what they have for teams, and the fans have jumped on that bandwagon. And now I'm going to have to ask you this because, as I said, I'm a college writer more than pro, even though I do watch the pros. How come Boston College doesn't get the love that all the major pro teams do? Because you go to a well, Boston all, College football game, and it looks like a lot of stands, the fans disguise the stands. Yeah, I, it, I think that goes back in time, Alex, because growing up, uh, for me it was a long time ago, but for most Boston sports fans, none of the Boston College teams were, or Boston teams that are college teams. <laughs> so someone knows what the hell I'm talking about were really very good or very dominant or played in divisions or conferences that were well-respected. Boston College has kind of turned that around a little bit, but it's after the fact. So the majority of sports fans in New England are much more pro fans than they are college fans. I mean, Providence had some great years as a basketball team. Uh, and, and in Providence, they had a loyal following, and, and New England kind of, you know, took them under their wing. Same with Connecticut. When Connecticut went through that stretch of really having good uh, basketball teams, so so there are some teams that have been followed. It's just history is those teams when most of our listeners were young may not have been consistently good, whereas. Again, if you look at the pro teams, you just grow. I grow up strictly watching the pros. I knew very little about other than, 
you know, I, did I follow it? Yeah. Did I look at the big games when they were on on weekends? Yeah. But if you, if I had a choice of watching, say, the Red Sox play a Saturday afternoon game at one o'clock, <laughs> uh, and it was a college football game on, I'm not watching that college football game unless it's, you know, Alabama versus, you know, name me another power. Uh, Notre Dame was the team that was followed in Boston for many years. Notre Dame is still yes, huge in the Boston area. Let's get back to the uh, Patriots because this is what people tune into this awesome show, which is called the Celt- uh, the Patriots B, which is usually run by Jeff and Rob. I'm filling in for Jeff because he had car problem. Rob has been so kind to make me sound like I know anything, but I really don't. I I just stayed at a Holiday Express Inn. Anyways, what well, do that you makes you think? smart, right? Yeah. I I could do surgery tomorrow night, but I couldn't (laughs) afford the second night. Uh, What do you think, going forward, the Patriots are going to focus on the most? Winning. Gee, that was an easy one. Any other questions? Oh, sure. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I got to bring up, and and I'm sorry that I... I'm, I'm sorry There's I bring this question up, but I've always wanted to. I I always he, wanted to ask this question for you. When do you think the Patriots are going to engage in getting the new quarterback for their team? I don't want to see the repla- I don't want to say the replacement for Tom Brady because people are going to bash me. But I'm saying. When do you think the the Patriots are going to look to the future at that position? Well, I think they may have done it this year with Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, you know, he came out, they, they drafted him in the second round, uh, and obviously quarterback was not a big need of the team, so they they felt that he may very well be that person. He's the, the perfect player to come in and learn because no one expects him to start. The big thing in the NFL now is these these big-name quarterbacks, they're expected to start almost immediately and, and produce, whether it's RG3 or, you know, Johnny Football this year or some of the other names that have come in and done well. Whereas with the Patriots, anyone coming in as a quarterback knew they were a backup. But who would you rather tutor under in the NFL than Tom Brady, and Garoppolo may be that guy. He's, he's had highs and lows uh, during the OTAs and the minicamp. Uh, he's thrown some really nice passes. Uh, he's connected with some of the receivers. He's also, when pressured or not having time, acted like a rookie and, and done exactly what rookies do, and panic may be too strong a word, but hasn't been able to complete the pass or has had happy feet. Um, but the prospects for him two years, three years down the road, I, I think they'd be pretty good. I wasn't high when they signed him, Alex. I, I'll be honest with you. I felt they could get a quarterback later on in the draft that, that may be able to do the same things, whether it's Savage out of Pittsburgh or some of the other players that went later. But Garoppolo is, is a drop-back passer, the same type as Brady, uh, big kid, strong arm, came from a very small college, uh, but but he could very well be Brady's replacement, and you know I, I did the, Jeff I think 
shocked all of the listeners, and I'll agree with him. I don't think Brady is going to finish his career in New England as much as I would love him to because there's going to be a certain point. It happened with Montana. It's happened with almost every great quarterback who has the drive and will and love for football that they just don't want to retire. And there's a point at which a team has to look and say, hey, we've got to move on. Um, you know, that happened with Fars. I mean, it, it's it's just natural. And I know Patriot fans may be ready to hang me. Uh, and Jeff. Jeff said it first, fans, by the way. If you go I, I just want to say I'm a, I'm a guest co-host, so don't hang me. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the reality is if you look, Johnny Unitas. I mean, you could look at the greatest quarterbacks. Very few of them finished their career with the same team they started with. You can you can even say uh, Peyton Manning, but there there was yeah. an injury. So good point. See, you got it. That did good point. I mean, all of us thought Peyton Manning was going to be a Colt for the rest of his life, and we'd hate the Colts because he was. Now he's with Denver. We don't hate the Colts anymore. We hate the Broncos. So hey, that's what happens in the NFL and in all sports. I I got to ask you this question because you are a a die-hard Patriots fan, and I've always asked this question to anybody that's a Patriots fan, you know, talking, chit-chatting. Do you think that if Brady had been able to beat Manning and made it into the Super Bowl, they would have had a better shot against Seattle? Man, Seattle's defense was really good, Alex. I, I don't know. I don't know whether that offense without Gronkowski um, would have beaten a really good, solid defensive team, and Seattle was that. So I, I mean, you couldn't you couldn't do much worse than Manning <laughs> okay. and the Broncos did. But when you say ability to beat Seattle, my heart would have answered yes. Logic would have been no. That's a great answer. I gotta admit, it's one of the most unbiased and honest answers I've heard. Which we have to say, as you said before, fan stands for fanatics. So sometimes we let our heart judge us. I know some fans that their team hasn't lost, if not for the referees, in fifty years. Yep. yep. <laughs> well, and, and it's funny because with social media expanding it as it has, and Anyone who has an account on Twitter and goes on there during the, the season of their favorite team, and usually you follow people that follow your teams and vice versa, so you're getting a real you're getting inundated with tweets during a ball game, and it's kind of funny. I I have to shut mine off because the negativity after one oh, play becomes... is unbelievable. You know, me and you throws come an from an old they Brady throws an interception. You will read all over nine million tweets about man. He doesn't have it anymore. He doesn't have the fastball. He can't get it in the. You know, maybe it's time for Brady. And then the next play, Brady will throw a great pass for a touchdown in the end zone, or or later in the game, and you get just as many tweets saying, "Man, he's the greatest quarterback ever." So social media has changed perspective considerably in sports, in all sports. 
And I, you've been to live games, correct? Yep. I know that I've been to live games, and even in high school, it, this is. I I would hope that everybody that that's a fan of a football team or a basketball team, not so much baseball, but basketball and football, and even baseball in some ways, goes to see a live game because you don't get the perspective of a mistake, especially by a quarterback watching it on television. Because you can see the quarterback releasing and then it's you see the ball going to the to the uh receiver or the tight end or the running back. But when you're watching it live, you can see the trajectories, the routes that they're taking. And you can see sometimes that they make a mistake and they do the wrong route and all of a sudden here's a tip ball and an interception. And everybody's blaming the quarterback when in reality it was the wide receiver that did the wrong thing. Well, so one of, that's one of the one other thing. things, Alex, I think Go ahead. going along that even further, uh, and I agree with you 100%, when you're at the game live, you can focus. You don't have to always focus on the ball. On TV, they've got to focus on the ball. That's, I mean, that's where the action is. But right. say you're looking, I've, I've talked about how bad and weak the offensive line was at times last year. Well, the only reason you saw that on TV was because Brady was getting rushed. But you couldn't really focus on the center and see how he was getting beat, see what was happening. Whereas when you're at the game, if you've got a good set of binoculars, no matter where you're sitting, you can go, all right, yeah, I want to see what happens and what develops on the play. Right. But, man, why is he getting beat so bad? And you can look at that offensive line. You can't do that on TV. You can look at a I... wide receiver who may not be catching the ball and you're wondering why, and you focus on him and you, you see he's not making the moves to get open, that he's being covered. The defensive back is doing a great job. Well, on TV, you're not going to see it a whole bunch because the ball doesn't get thrown to him for that very reason. So being at a game live offers perspectives that you can't get on TV. The other side I of that coin, yeah, let me just take a second, Alex. And then the sure. other side of that coin is, I have to admit, with the replays watching on TV, you may not be sure whether something was a fumble or a drop pass or or what the how the play developed. The ability to slow mo certain plays uh-huh. is really great. When you're watching on TV and, you know, someone, some running back is going into the line and suddenly the ball gets loose. And was his knee down or wasn't it down? Did the other team recover or didn't they? When you're live at the game, you just can't. Even though they've got the big screen, and, and I know in Foxborough that huge screen is, is great. However, you still can't see it the same way you can on TV. So that's the other side of the coin. When you're watching on TV, you do get to see some things that live at the game you may not see. The one thing that I wanted to, to ask your opinion on, keep on this subject, is I think the greatest invention for the NFL to get normal people to watch more football was the red zone. And I also think it's the worst thing because people just watch the touchdowns and they really don't get the feeling of what the game is. If you're a reporter reporting for you know, a certain team or you follow a certain team, the red zone sucks. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
I you're mean, gone. And, and I hear people that love it. That, that you know, you sit in there and you can go to any game. And the problem is, you're right. It only focuses on certain plays. And it was a great invention. I'm not knocking it. Just personally, and I have it. I have Directv, so I subscribe to the NFL package. I watch every game. But when the Pats are on, I go to the Pats game. When the Pats aren't on, then I'm more apt to go to the red zone. The other thing the red zone has done is fantasy football. I mean, fantasy football is is huge. And that red zone allows the fantasy players to keep track of whoever's playing on their team uh, with a regular ability to, to switch to that game quickly. So for fantasy football, the red zone is great. For someone who is not following a specific team when they're playing, red zone is great. If you just like the NFL and you just want to see big plays or scoring plays, red zone is great. If you want to watch a game and enjoy the game, I don't like the red zone at all. I very seldom watch the red zone. I I watch it only if, like, there was a touchdown on, on a game because they will replay three or four times on the red zone, and I, mm-hmm. you know, I was watching the game and I wanted to see it again because maybe I was doing something else, so I'll flip over there. But other than that, I think it was an invention to bring in the passerby fans to get them more involved, and for, as you said, the uh, fantasy football. Yeah, I, gotta, I, I, I go ahead. I I gotta ask you because again, you're you are a fountain of knowledge when it comes to the Patriots. My and if people are listening to this Jeff, show. Let me tell you, Alex, Jeff never compliments me like that. So I really, I compliment him. I tell him the wisdom he has, and I don't challenge him. It, it's never reciprocated. So it's kind of nice to, to, to have you saying these things. Thank you. I appreciate let, that. Let me tell you something. If you are downloading this for the first time, I'm just a guest host. Rob is the brains of this show today. When Jeff and Rob are on, there's two brains, which two is better than one, unless you're paying taxes. So listen to the Patriots beat every Sunday at 1 o'clock. If you do not, I want you to write a letter to Bill Belichick saying, I am not a fan of the your team no more, and send back in your Patriots fanhood card. Because if you ain't listening well, to the show, you, you might as well not and, even watch football anymore. Well, and, and I thank you. I do appreciate that, Alex. I There are some really good shows that are blogged. I, I mentioned a couple earlier during the game, during the uh, show, but we've got some, some really good guests coming up as we get nearer and nearer the season, too. And, and we've had some great guests in the past. I mentioned at the beginning of the show, I know Mike Reese is going to be on probably within the next two or three weeks. Uh, Chris Price has indicated he'd like to come back on. Mike Loiko uh, has indicated he'd love to be on again. So we really have some nice uh, people out there that that are looking to be part of the show, too, and we appreciate that. Bob Sochi, the uh, play-by-play guy for the Patriots, was on for, with us at the end of last season. We hope to get him back on just as the season's getting ready to go underway. It's really nice that there's enough respect uh, among the industry that we're able to bring some people in that people really like to hear, besides Jeff and I. Jeff and I are very opinionated uh, and, and we express it strongly when, when we're on the show, obviously, and hosting the show. 
but we bow to the wisdom because there's a lot of people out there that really know their stuff that we like to bring in because people like to follow them and read what they have to say and hear what they have to say. So, Alex, I appreciate your comments. Let's get back to somebody that every Patriot fan appreciates, and that's Tom Brady. And i got to ask you this question because I've heard this from a lot of people. I'm not I don't fuck you do, you know. Is it true that he's not as much as a team player as others are as far as quarterback? He's more a front office guy because when players are coming up for their contract, he won't go to bat to them? Or do you think that's just wrong saying that of him? Well, first, yes, I think it's wrong. He's very political. Um, I've said many times on this show it would not shock me when he retires if he doesn't go into politics. He says the right things. Uh, He says things that aren't going to antagonize um, either the, the, the media, the fan, or the ownership. Uh, so on one hand, he does do a lot of things, but he's a class act. Uh, and as far as a team player, I don't know anyone that you would want more as a team player. Alex, this, this guy has taken this team and gone through years of change and, and who he's throwing the ball to, who's running the ball. And his intensity is what brings along players quickly. They come up to his level, and he demands that. Um, last year, watching the games early in the season, when the Patriot receivers were in the wrong place at the wrong time and, and dropping balls all over the place, his frustration was just jumped out of the screen, and people were saying, Man, look at him. He's hollering at his receivers. How Brady's head is getting in the way. Well, no, that's what leaders do. Leaders, Bill Belichick is a leader. He's not a nice guy. Brady seems like a nice guy. Uh, but I, I, you know, anyone, anyone that thinks Brady is not, his primary objective isn't to win, just hasn't seen Brady and followed Brady's career because he has one objective. That's to win a Super Bowl. Championships don't matter. Division championships don't matter. Super Bowls. And he wants that fourth ring. And and, uh, hopefully they get it while he's still with the Pats. Folks, believe it or not, we got one minute left on the Patriots beat because Rob knew what to say. I just listened. This was amazing for me. I'm so happy that I came and listened. Rob, your final comments as we close out this Patriots Beat podcast on CLNS Radio? Well, first of all, be excited about this year's team, and and I really am speaking not only as a fan but as someone who has watched what's developed on the team, and I think this year's team is a team to be excited about. Uh, and Alex, I will take just a moment because I know we're short on time to thank you. I appreciate your stepping in, buddy, and I know Jeff does. And you are welcome to come back anytime you can. You've done a great job, and I appreciate it, friend. Thank you very much. Hey, this was Rob from the Celtics beat. Alex, I calls pushing the envelope Sunday morning. Next week, you get Jeff if the truck works. Have a great weekend, the remainder of it. Have a great week, 
and always go your New England Patriots. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week, everyone. Have a great week, everyone.